did you know that 663 million people live without clean drinking water? That's nearly one in every 10 people. Let me tell you about my friends at FNX. FNX can solve all your health, nutrition, and supplement needs because they are first class in making their products so you can be at your best. Whether you are a CrossFit freak, bodybuilder, or just mom and dad making it a point twice a week, FNX will elevate your game. I have been using FNX for weeks, and I feel and see the difference. The protein, delicious. My workouts, way more intense. My energy, there all day. Try it for yourself. Visit FNXFit.com and use code 4C15. That's 4C15 for 15% off your order. What's more, every time you make a purchase, a child in need receives one gallon of clean water. To date, FNX has donated over 100,000 gallons of clean drinking water. Make your mark today. What is going on, everybody? Just a quick word from our new pals over at FNX. Had to squeeze them in there. Really have been taking things to another level in the uh, workout game. We're all quarantined, making do with what's at home, doing a lot of the body weight stuff, kicking it back to more of the functional movements. But yeah, we are still getting the results. Still need to take care of yourself. Visit FNX. They will take care of any supplement, protein, health and beauty, recovery needs that you need. They will help you out. But we're here to get back on it. Got a lot to talk about as far as sports. It's been a minute. Last time I was talking about dating shows. It's kind of where we were at. The inventory is low. I had to wait for it to build back up. We're now a week out of the NFL draft. We're going to hit on that a lot. Of course, we're going to talk about the Brady and Howard Stern interview. Listen to the full thing last Wednesday. A lot of great stuff in there. Going to talk about kind of the lack of rumors around the draft because of what's going on with the social distancing or physical distancing, I guess is the proper term. We don't want to be socially not with each other, as they say. And then we got the MLB tossed around ideas on how they're going to go about the season. I'll give my ideas on how I feel about that. Chiefs, how they signed Watkins to another deal. I think it's totally wrong. And then I'll hit more on the quarterbacks, specifically Cam Newton and why he needs to be a Bronco. And how Jameis, originally I didn't see the fit, now I do. And also the draft QBs, Tua, Herbert, Burrow, Jordan Love. We'll hit on them all. We're back. It's episode 41 of the podcast. So I mentioned it last time we chatted in regards to Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers that the one thing I am interested in seeing is whether he is going to just act way different at the podium. Is he going to act way different off the field? Is he going to act way different in how he talks about his experiences, his relationships with his teammates, the things he offers up as far as game plans, schematics, his relationship with his head coach, all those different things as far as peeling it back a little bit, taking people behind the scenes, stuff that never happens in New England because that's their way. They don't want to give up any advantage, any potential advantage. And Tom Brady goes on Howard Stern, I guess it's two weeks after 
And just a couple days after he opens up on the Players Tribune, Derek Jeter, his landlord, after he writes about how it was his decision to leave New England. Ultimately, he decided, I've had enough. I've had enough. The same thing day after day, I was spent. And he just decided after, I guess it was really the 2018 season, he mentioned that prior to 2019, he pretty much knew it was over. And he said, just the same routine, the same voice, the same message. It's time for a new challenge. And it includes doing things like this, going on Howard Stern, writing things for the Players' Tribune. And, I mean, this interview, I don't know if you've listened to it. I took the entire night on Wednesday or last Wednesday to listen to the two-hour interview. And Howard Stern, obviously he's great. He's made a name for himself in radio. His thing's always kind of... They always skew more towards uh, the sexual side. So it it naturally, you got Brady opening up about uh, Gronk's dick, uh, weed, Trump, even Belichick. I mean, it was a pretty well-rounded interview. And I saw some people say how he managed to say nothing like he typically does. And they obviously just didn't listen to the whole thing because he did open up a lot more as far as his experiences in high school. He talked about how he always felt bad letting his father down if he was going out and partying and doing the wrong things. Tom Brady, we, we're going to see a different guy, I think. he. Uh, I, I think he's going to be a little bit more honest. He's going to be a little bit more vocal about his beliefs personally and how it relates to football. He doubled down on Bill Belichick. He said, look, quote, there's so many wrong assumptions about our relationship. I don't think it was bad how it ended. Seth Wickersham, the ESPN columnist slash investigative reporter, because that's all he writes. He always thinks he has the scoop on everything. He made it seem like they hated each other. They don't. It was just time. They were done. Brady was done. Belchick said, I'm not giving money to a 43-year-old. I'm not giving, you know, near top dollar for a 43-year-old, even if it's Tom. And Tom said, okay, you know, I'm out as well. I'm looking for a challenge anyway. Now, did they ever have that conversation I mentioned a while back? Probably not. Could there have been an agreement? Yeah, I think so. Do I think it was the best option? Yeah. But ultimately, both were doing their job, and as Brady mentioned, he goes, look, Belichick, he can't do my job. He can't play quarterback, and I also cannot coach. I can't be a general manager. There's nothing but respect during this interview, and it just just goes to show. Wickersham, I think there's some credence to it. Yeah. Were, there, were they upset with each other a little bit? Yeah, but I, I'm not saying that this was a total breakup, all right? This wasn't just Brady versus Belichick. This was also them wanting different things, all right? This wasn't one hating the other, necessarily. It was mutual. And I, I think it's also clear that this is a, a second act move for Brady as well. TB12 is his future. He is definitely trying to get that off the ground. Tampa Bay... Again, whoever has been there, it is the retirement center of Florida. It's nothing but, I I guess they call them snowbirds, snow angels, the people that come down from the East Coast and retire, mainly New Yorkers, a big Jewish population. Everybody's 60 plus years old. As we all know, that's when your body starts to give out. Tom Brady is all about prehab, preventing injuries, pliability. I can see it now with all the strip malls in Tampa Bay, Florida. There's going to be pliability centers everywhere. He mentioned LeBron, Tiger, 
even Tommy John surgery in the past with MLB. He says it drives him nuts. This is Brady. It drives him nuts that people can't stay healthy. And he wasn't doing it in an arrogant way. He was just merely mentioning the science is out there. The science is out there, but so many people just, you know, succumb to the modern Western medicine way of doing business as far as taking care of yourself that they don't know. They don't know any better. This was the second act. He wants a more lax approach, Bruce Arians. He wants more control over the offense. He wants to get his second career off the ground. Tom Brady's a buck. I don't think he has any problem with uh, Bill Belichick. He sounded pretty convincing on the Howard Stern Show. I would give it a listen. Great two-hour interview with him. Uh, Enjoyed it a lot last week. Okay, we are one week away from the NFL virtual draft. Going on as scheduled, as planned, prior to the pandemic. Roger Goodell, way to put your foot down. Thank you. Most people are giving him crap, mostly general managers. And I'm so sick of this. It's just become, like, fun. The fun game to pelt Roger Goodell any which way you can. People act like he hasn't done anything good. When you take away the player discipline, when you take that away and really just size it up to an economical measurement, Roger Goodell has done a pretty good job since 2006 when he took over. Pretty good job. Expanding the international game, boosting revenue, making the NFL draft must-see television and must-see in person, obviously not this year. He's grown the game. Simple as that. He's grown revenue. (laughs) You really cannot argue with the statistics since he took over from a money-making standpoint. That's what the NFL is about printing cash because that's what the owners care about literally there's nothing else it you can go to the cba what did the players want off they wanted practice time off they wanted less padded practices you know what the owner said sure yeah you know what we want we want more money we'll take more games that's what we want we'll take more postseason games players were like yeah sure we'll, we'll play we'll risk our bodies more it's all about making money roger goodell has done that And here's another good move. General managers don't like it because their job is on the line. And I get that. But you know what? Everybody's job is on the line. You know how many people are out of work? On Monday, I think it was 16 million Americans filed for unemployment. These guys are upset that their jobs are on the line because of the draft picks that they make. And because it's not under normal circumstances, they're going to be judged and measured. Yeah, guess what? Welcome to 2020. That's what we're dealing with. Abnormal times equals abnormal circumstances. I mean, if you think that you have to push back the draft, an idea, or excuse me, an event where all it is is selecting a player, all it takes is verbal communication, and then the player is on your team, if that's all it takes, yeah, we're not pushing that back if we're the NFL. The trickle-down effect it has on OTAs, on camp, preseason, potentially regular season, you move the draft, it's going to have a trickle-down effect, domino effect on all that. So Roger Goodell's saying, guess what? We're keeping it on as scheduled, and if anyone speaks out about it, you're going to be subject to discipline. Good job. Good job. I know uh, Albert Breer, he quoted an anonymous GM saying that they took it as a threat. Yeah, guess what? It is a threat. That's exactly what you need. Because everybody's got to be in solidarity here during this weird time. And you know what? Is it going to be different? Yeah. 
Is it going to be challenging? Yeah. But ultimately, all you're doing is communicating your pick. You'll be on TV. Maybe there will be some audio. I haven't really looked into the logistics. But it's going to be a little bit different. Ultimately, you get the most important decision makers in the room. And you make the decision. That's it. I'm kind of, you know, fired up about it. Because I think, depending on how much access we have, we really are going to see for each team who makes the pick. I, I don't want to see, you know, a, a digital breakdown. I don't want to see a software or logistical breakdown. That, that would suck. But ultimately, it's going to be really cool. Bill Belichick, is he making the move? Is it Nick Casario? John Schneider of the Seahawks? Les Snead of the Rams? I mean, who's making it? The Cowboys? You see all of uh, the, the Jones family? You see Jason, or Jason Garrett, Mike McCarthy. It's going to be neat. I can't wait for the NFL draft one week from tonight. Keeping it on his plan. Way to go, Roger. Keeping it on the draft. The weird thing, and there was a bit of an exception last night with Odell Beckham and the trade rumor for a second and fifth round pick to the Vikings, which I don't know why this guy would report it. I mean, he must have really trusted this source because it's silly to trade a second and a fifth for Odell. If I'm trading Odell, I'm getting a first round pick minimum. And under the right circumstances, would I trade him for a one only, but not right now, not with his contract at 14 mil this year and no guaranteed mil, uh, guaranteed salary after 2020. No way. No way. Mike Zimmer, he just traded away Stefan Diggs. I'm not saying he wouldn't have interest in Odell Beckham, but there's no way that him putting forth that offer, he's not dumb enough. Neither is Rick Spielman, the GM. But these are the type of rumors, specifically with the draft and its season, whether it's NFL players or teams you know, having certain views on NFL guys. There's been a few here lately. I know the offensive lineman with Louisville, but the rumor season on prospects, it's been really quiet been really quiet about oh this guy doesn't have the makeup this guy's feet are too small this guy is an idiot because he said this one thing there's all these different rumors about knocking guys down or just strange little side stories about them that we're not getting this year we're not getting it this year because nobody's at the facilities you don't see the gm and the scout crossing paths and then a third scout or a third party sees them having that conversation and then is texting Ian Rappaport or Schefter and letting them know, hey, this is what's up. I think they're taking the wide receiver from Louisville. Those interactions aren't happening within the building because of the pandemic, so nobody has them. It's kind of been blissful in a way. I usually eat that shit up. I love it. I can't get enough of it. I love to dissect it. But the mindlessness uh, of this year, just knowing that virtual pro days are happening, nobody's there live, the virtual interviews, uh, perhaps they're just phone interviews, so they're absent of you know the chalkboard talk that you hear oftentimes with quarterbacks. They're running them through plays. They ask them about how their family is, and then snap. They ask them to dissect the play they just went over. That stuff's not happening. It's not happening because you can't. We're on lockdown. No one can see anyone face-to-face. And we just know there's a lost touch with some things. How to read body language, 
Maybe someone writes something down that you would see in person and you're like, oh, they made a note of that. You don't see that with, you know, virtual because perhaps, you know, you can't see them. You know, you can't see their hands. You can't you can't pick up on those small details that oftentimes can carry a lot of weight. So, you know, do I miss it? I think this one year I'm okay with it as an exception. I've kind of just, you know, from the break with all this, I haven't been expecting it. And it just hasn't been there, so naturally there's less news. It started to pick up steam a little bit, but this Odell rumor just made me think, man, it is a different year. Maybe some of this becomes common. Maybe they pick up on the virtual stuff, and they realize, huh, general managers say, huh, maybe I want to do it this way so I don't have scouts giving giving anonymous tips. Maybe I do it this way to conceal some information. It's a different year. Different uh, different draft season. It's going to be a different draft next week. Can't wait for it. Okay, let's dive into some baseball here. I got uh, Steven Strasburg debut, 2010 against the Pirates. I got that on in the background, MLB Network. I actually remember this. I remember this because I was a 16-year-old in high school, and I remember... Going out the night before I had a 7 a.m. baseball practice the next day. I was going to hang out with my friends, and I told my mom and dad, I was like, hey, uh, you know, I'm going over to, to Jack's. And we all got that pal. We got that pal that our parents know, and we tell them we're going to hang out with them because we know they're just, you know, they're, they're going to be okay with it. Oh, we know Jack. We know his parents. You boys, you're just going to hang out, watch this game, watch Steven Strasburg, whoever that is. Drink some sodies, bake some pizza rolls. You'll be home by midnight, by curfew. I won't wait up for you. Well, really where I was going was to my friend Connor's because his older sister, who is of legal drinking age, got us, you know, a case of beer. So we're going to hang out and act like idiots. The next day uh, at my high school baseball practice, that was one of the worst experiences I've ever had. I vomited on the field and... I just remember, um, you know, I felt like death and I thought, wow, how do baseball players at the MLB level, because we all know back in the day, especially the 80s, it was just common place for them to go out. You know, Doc and Daryl, Hernandez, Keith, (laughs) the Mets, you know, they they would just go out and and get sloshed after the game. I was just like, how do they do this and perform? Then you learn a little bit more about amphetamines (laughs) and you start to get it. So that was why I remember Strasburg, and it's really the only baseball we can get right now. I am subjected to replays. I was watching a 2005 regular season game prior to this of Chicago White Sox baseball. They were playing the Padres, Trevor Hoffman's pitching, and it's just nuts where we're at with this. Like, I'm becoming an expert on the 05 White Sox. Comcast Chicago, that's what they're giving me every day. Scott Pasednik, Burley, Jermaine Dye. I mean, it was a heck of a team. Yeah, they took home the took home the belt, but you know, I'm at the point now I cannot watch any more TV shows. I cannot take any more Ozark. I cannot take any more Breaking Bad. Cannot take any more shows about zombies or goblins and mystical creatures and drugs. I'm just I'm done, man. I've expanded my horizons. It's been a month now of this quarantine thing. I need some sports, and if it means looking back on it, so be it. 
so be it. But ultimately, I do want to see some real baseball in 2020. Major League Baseball says they're kicking around ideas. That's a good way to put it because the, the plan of sequestering MLB players, I like it. I do, ultimately, because I'm not the one playing. <laughs> I, I just want to see it. And if you tell me I'm going to get empty stadiums, players sprawled out in the stands, and Olympic Village style where they just go to the field, work out, eat, play, go home to the hotel, recover, and come back. I'm fine with that. Ultimately, I'm not the one doing it. Kind of sounds pretty sweet to me because ultimately you're doing something fun every day. You're playing ball. But some of these guys have family, so, I mean, I get that. I don't know if it's going to happen because if one guy gets infected, I mean, you, you have to quarantine him. You have to nail down who he potentially infected. I just, I, I don't know if baseball is going to happen. And that would obviously mean NHL, NBA, that's wiped out. Now we're talking about NFL. That's going to start later. It's looking pretty pretty dim here. I don't know. I don't know when the lights are going to come on. Would I love a November, December playoffs for Major League Baseball? <laughs> that would be sick. I would book a plane tomorrow if the plan came out. I would book a plane tomorrow to Miami, to Arizona, Maybe not Wisconsin. I don't have to book a plane. But if they played at the Brewers, if they played in these neutral site destination cities, they wouldn't play in Las Vegas in baseball. But if they played in Arizona, hell yeah. Sorry, Mom. Christmas this year, not happening. I'm going to the World Series. Or, you know, November, Thanksgiving. Yeah, I'm going down to Miami, watch some baseball, watch some postseason play. Be pretty cool. It would be pretty cool. What I like the idea of like Cactus League versus uh, ver- blanking on it versus the Florida League. No, I wouldn't like that. Keep the DH in the AL and keep the AL all together versus the National League in the World Series and, of course, separate games during the regular season. I don't like mixing it up. Sounds kind of silly to me. But ultimately, I, I just think it's far-fetched. It- it's pretty far-fetched just because if someone gets infected – it just throws a wrench into the entire deal. And someone's going to not comply. Okay, someone's going out. Someone's going out every night. And they're going to expose themselves and they're going to expose themselves to others. And it's not like I you know, would be mad necessarily. I mean, it's hard. It's hard to sequester yourself. I mean, we're a month into this and I'm going bananas. My purest happiness was a week ago when it was 80 degrees here in Chicago, Illinois. And... I was uh, recommended to take a bicycle out and go around the streets of Chicago. And I said, hey, you know, why not? I've never done that before. It was the most intoxicating thing ever. I hadn't been within a one block radius of where I live in three weeks. Going out to the lake was the purest form of just joy I've had in forever. I went on four more bike rides. Ultimately got a little sick. I got a little worried because I had the fever and everything. But I checked out. I'm all good. I'm all good. But, I mean, it's going to be difficult for someone in Major League Baseball to do that, to sequester. So, I don't think it's going to happen. Would I love to see it happen? Yeah. Give me postseason baseball in November. Give it to me in December. I'll book a plane tomorrow to Arizona. So, the Chiefs decided to keep Sammy Watkins, the guy who once said he needed a certain amount of targets because of his draft slot. He said that to his coach, to his teammates, during a film review session. 
That was with the Buffalo Bills. He later said that he was thinking about not playing if the Chiefs won a Super Bowl. The guy with the highest cap hit prior to the beginning of the offseason in the NFL said that he was potentially going to hang it up if they won the Super Bowl. Well, his team did win the Super Bowl. They decided to bring that guy back. Look, Brett Veach, good as they come as far as GM. All right, He's making moves, been making the correct moves since he took over for John Dorsey. I don't like this one at all. I'm sorry. Did you reduce the cap hit? Yeah. You don't need Sammy Watkins. He came up big in the playoffs, sure, but he's been absent, absent for most of the games that you play. I think you could, one, afford to get someone more reliable in the regular season. Two, I don't want Sammy Watkins if it means not being able to keep Chris Jones at this point in time. Right now, Chris Jones, model guy. Exact type of guy you want in the locker room. Maybe he could take care of himself a little bit more. You know, he doesn't always come in shape. I think when he hurt his leg late in the season, he was like goofing around the locker room. That's the rumor. But, you know, when I worked for the Chiefs, you would see him every now and then, you know, just like in the elevator, nicest dude you could ever meet. Okay, that's how you really know about a guy's character as far as a player is concerned. How does he treat the people he has no business even communicating with? Most of the guys, like you can talk about Tyreek, I remember Orlando Scandrick, seeing him them in the elevator, they just put their head down, buried in their phone, and I get it sometimes, you know, it's early in the morning. Chris Jones walks into the elevator, hey y'all, what's going on? Morning to you. How's the day? He's the nicest guy you will meet. He's hardworking, he performs, and ultimately, this is a guy I got wrong. When they took him in the second round in 13, I think it was, I said, man, this guy doesn't get home enough. He's not getting home at Mississippi State. He's not taking down the QB. This guy affects the game in different ways. So maybe I'm a little biased as far as just understanding, hey, I got this cat wrong. All right, but if you're telling me when you could have saved 16 mil against the cap by cutting Watkins and you have Andy Reid as your coach, the guy who schemes up plays better than anyone for any cat, when you have Demarcus Robinson, a no-name, until he went to the Chiefs, and then you got, uh, who'd they just pick up? DeAndre Washington with Oregon. That guy's going to be making plays this year. Watch. You don't need Sammy Watkins. And he's not an awful player, but he's not worth the t- price tag that you're paying. And he certainly isn't worth the compromise of Chris Jones. You got Patrick Mahomes. If there's anything that he showed, it's that this guy can make wine out of water at the drop of a hat. You don't need the best playmakers allocate this to other parts of the game. Chris Jones has earned his money. He has showed up, showed out, great teammate, plays with different coordinators, different uh, positions inside. I'm sorry. If they don't get a long-term deal done because they were uh, you know, shedding over pennies to Sammy Watkins, bad move, Veach. You've been great so far, but I don't like it. Should not have kept Watkins. One thing I've always promised is that I'm never going to be a biased party. Some people think I am. That's fine. I always think I bring support. I bring evidence. I try to bring facts as much much as I can. Sometimes it's anecdotal support on my position. But when it comes to Drew Locke and the former Missouri Tiger being a franchise QB for the Denver Broncos, I'm sorry. I just don't think we've seen enough. Either either at the college level or the NFL. He only started a few games. Did we see some of his best plays 
We did. We did. But guess what? When you play football games, it's more than just a play here, a play there. I am not big on seeing a glimpse of what he could be. We hear that all the time in the media. I hate that. Drew Locke, I think he's Jay Cutler. Not above the shoulders. I think Locke has a little bit more going for him there. But ultimately, I think he's an an average QB. He's going to get you to a 500 record. And sometimes, if you got the right pieces around you, I get that. Maybe all you need is Cutler. Maybe that's all you need is Locke. But I think he's too erratic of a player, misses too many plays, that you cannot pass up on Cam Newton. The Denver Broncos team is it's not built for someone like Cam Newton, but they are best positions, and I think over the course of a year could have a pretty good team. They could field a pretty good team if they chose to sign Cam Newton to be the starter. Cam Newton, power thrower, not a rhythm thrower, not a great guy that runs off platform and delivers the football. He's a statue back there. He is a statue back there. He does not move well. A guy that needs to power the ball down the field run the football, and also do a lot of uh, a, a lot of handoffs, but also just a lot of RPO-type stuff to the flats to be successful. He could be very good for the Denver Broncos. And cold-weather QB, yeah, Cam is a tough son of a gun. I've talked, uh, I've thrown a lot of shade at him before. I will never question his toughness. He lays it out there for his teammates. If he is willing to play like that, John Elway has to entertain this. I don't see handing the keys to the car to Locke quite yet. Why is that? Why? You have Cam, who's proven to be pretty doggone good when the rest of the team around him is there, when the conditions are good. He's a pretty good QB. And they they got some draft ammo. They got some great defenders on the side of the ball right now things could turn pretty quickly and if it means taking a flyer I don't see why not if he washes out fine if Cam washes out fine but you are best positioned to do this and you haven't hit on a quarterback yet John Elway I don't see why you wouldn't go back to the route that you did when Peyton Manning was available you got an established guy some say Cam Newton's a Hall of Famer I don't but he's an established QB and he's a guy that you can win football games, I think, a lot sooner than with Locke. I really do. Keeping it on the QBs, though, because that's my thoughts on the Broncos. I've been thinking of that for a couple uh, couple weeks now. We got some other quarterbacks to think about. Jameis Winston. I think Jameis, um, you know, ultimately I thought the Chargers would be the best move. I think sitting behind Big Bend, where the guys kind of had some dysfunction, comes with a little baggage. That's Mike Tomlin. I've heard that a couple times now from a few other cats. That's a good good place for him to go, sit behind Roethlisberger, and ultimately maybe he takes over after that if he cuts down on the interceptions. I don't think it's going to happen. He's always thrown picks, but ultimately he's a good backup for them. Mitchell Trubisky, you know, what was Ryan Pace thinking? He has lost the locker room. He has lost the locker room. In January, he emphatically said, This is our QB1. We're picking up the option. Even after that sorry-ass season that he had in 2019, even after just, you know, propping him up, propping him up when times were hard, Trubisky had to turn off the TVs in the locker room because the media was saying bad things about him. I mean, come on, are you kidding me, Bears? This guy can't take a little adversity from the media. I mean, if that's the case, this guy isn't made of the right stuff to be QB1. Then you trade for Foles. 
it was no secret Foles was available. The Jaguars like to run with Minshew at the right price. So if you give it to him and take on Foles' contract, then so be it. Oh my gosh, Pace, you have you've lost the respect of other players. Because you said you were rolling with uh, Trubisky. Then you trade for Foles after everybody and their mother knows he's available. And I, I just don't see how they're going to respect the moves going forward. Kicking it over to the draft. Tua, red flag, man. Red flag. Too many sources out there say they got him pegged as someone that's just going to be injury prone. Best ability is availability. Do I like his game? I Yeah, I like it. I don't even love it, to be honest with you. I don't love it. I, I think he had a very big throw in a national championship game when everybody was watching. So then you got guys like Kirk Herbstreet saying, oh my gosh, look at this kid. True freshman, 18. Maybe he was 19. 18. Look, it, it he came in for a second half. He did well. But ultimately, it's the totality of your play. And he does great intermediate short game. It's the deep passing. It's uh, standing in the pocket. It's the receivers you have around you. It's the protection that you have in front of you. I don't think he's going to be as good with lesser players around him. Now, no questions about the makeup. I mean, he's got that Russell Wilson thing going for him. But ultimately, you throw in the injuries. I don't think I'm taking them unless it's late in the first round. If I'm a team that needs to fix the quarterback position, maybe I trade back into the first round late. But I'm definitely not taking them top 10. We go over to Herbert. Um, Yeah, I mean, ultimately, this is just a guy that, you know, he's got all the traits, like I mentioned in the past. I don't think the Dolphins are in love with him. I don't even think the Chargers are. I think this is a guy that falls. I think after Burrow, it's going to be a while before we see a QB. I really do. I don't think Jordan Love is going in the first round. I think potentially it's just Burrow, it's just Tua. I don't think we see Herbert. I don't think we see Love. Love has, again, all, all the, the traits, the ceiling, the you know acrobatic throws, but he hasn't displayed enough to take him in round one, okay? People always go back to Mahomes. Yeah, that was great, okay? It was a huge gamble. It was a huge gamble where he was with that film coming out of Texas Tech. He went to the right coach, and this is a knock on him. He went to a coach that had a vision and said, we can definitely work with this. There's not many coaches out there that could have. I saw a re-mock draft of 2017 saying, what if the Browns had Patrick Mahomes? What if they drafted him one? I'll tell you what, I tell you, he's not going to be as good as he is with Hugh Jackson, plain and simple. He's not, because one, he would be playing every day, and Hugh Jackson, I think, is a good coach. I don't think he's Andy Reid. The other team that wanted him, New Orleans Saints, little guy named Sean Payton, going to the Hall of Fame. That's another guy who had a vision. They just, they didn't trade up soon enough to get him. I don't see it with Herbert. I don't see it with Love. They're too sporadic. They're kind of like Drew Locke. Drew Locke's not as talented, but it's just I don't want to see flashes. I don't want to see glimpses. I want to see consistency at the quarterback position. None of those guys can give me that. Lastly, Joe Burrow. He's going number one overall. This is a guy who you can make the same argument with Tua. He had a lot of help around him, but ultimately what I do see is that this is a guy that can maneuver the pocket pretty doggone well. He's got a feel for how to create throwing lanes, how to make plays, because he's played so much ball, because he's been through practice. I know he like redshirted and he wasn't around all the time as far as actually playing in the games, 
But he's been through practice. He's been through five years of college and understanding things. He had his OC. There's a lot of comfort there. I get that. And I think he also, like, his fifth year this past season, he only had one class, so he's just, you know, living at the facility. But that's what you do. That's what you're going to do in the NFL. I think that he has displayed enough from an experience standpoint that you like taking him number one overall. I don't see him as an elite prospect. I see him as, you know, a ceiling of great. And for where the Bengals are, you definitely roll the dice based off this position. Joe Burrow, I see him delivering the ball well deep. I see him maneuvering the pocket well. I do see him struggling a little bit with consistency, maybe in the shorter game, depending on the weapons that you have and delivering the ball exactly where it needs to be. But overall, that's my thoughts on these quarterbacks. It's going to be a heck of a draft next week. Appreciate everybody listening. I think we're going to do potentially a periscope for the draft here. I think we're going to do some live rapid reactions, pick by pick, all 32 of them in the NFL draft next Thursday. Look out for it on the social at Pete4C. We might do it via periscope on Twitter. I think there's this thing called IG Live. Maybe I'll hop on Facebook. Probably not, though. I'm not, I'm not going to redirect you there. But anyway, I need your questions. I need your thoughts. Hit me up via DM. Slide up in those DMs at Pete4C. You can also hit up the text line or call line where you can leave a voicemail. Play it right here on the show. If you got any thoughts, questions, comments, you just want to yell at me, 816 226 7438. 816-226-7483. That's the number. Go with the second one. Go with the second one. We will talk to you guys next week. Again, appreciate you listening. Hit up that code in the bio for the FNX products, 4C15 for 15% off. It's fnx.com, 4C15. Hit up the link in the bio. Thanks for listening.